0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick. And my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today. Climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. 2020 was going to be a year of great change, growth, and upheaval? Astrologers did. While it may have been a surprise for most, those who follow astrology knew that we were set for a revolution. Today, Juliana McCarthy, astrologer and author of The Stars Within You, joins me to discuss how we can use astrology as a tool to navigate these uncertain times, and use the energy of the planets to bring forth the change we seek. Welcome, Juliana. I'm so excited to have you here today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
0: So, full disclosure, I consult with Juliana. I'm a patron of hers. Mm -hmm. And I've had my chart read by several people, but you really brought it, you were the first to bring it into real life for me. It was profound. Like the last time we did a full reading, it was back, it was right after my mother had passed and you didn't know that. And you saw things in my chart that actually pointed to this year with things with mother. I had never seen that before. And then you were also able to look at like my direction and like really kind of where I should be focused on. So I can't wait to bring this to everyone. And, and you know, a lot of people think that it's like astrologers don't even get the planets right or whatever, but I have found that it's extremely practical, and in fact, it's been used for about 2,400 years. People have been using this. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's funny because when I first started learning astrology, it was super accurate in a specific way, and I was a scientifically minded person, and I kept studying it to try to find the loophole or to try to like figure out, you know, what the magic trick was for why this was working and how it was manipulating my brain to believe it was real. But the more I studied, the more accurate it became. And I was reading friends charts just randomly wherever I went. And I would know things I couldn't possibly know. People I didn't even know that well would start crying. And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) You know, what is this? Why is this so accurate and so helpful? And it was super helpful for me and understanding the layers of who I was and the layers of human complexity and relationships, which all kind of eluded me prior to understanding astrology. And of course, later on, as I delved into the history of astrology, I realized that much of Western psychology is based on astrology. Jung was an astrologer. He couldn't outwardly admit it, but there are many beautiful quotes from Jung about astrology and including a quote that said something like, I will be working with a patient and there I will be stumped and then I will look at the chart and and who this person is and what his struggles are will be revealed to me in ways I couldn't have witnessed firsthand without the aid of astrology so I always say like it works and I don't understand why it works <laughs> I can't tell you why I just know that it does
0: <laughs> yeah i think that it certainly depends on the reader, but there's some things in there that are just so profound, like when you read my chart and you had brought up my mom who had just passed and had we just it was just striking to me i you know, and it's it's kind of there, and do we know where astrology really started?
1: Well, ancient history is not easy to sort of know specifically, but we do know that ancient. Egyptians were practicing it and the Babylonians were practicing it and during the Alexandrian conquest the Babylonian and Egyptian astrologies merged and it's really similar to the astrology that we practice today what you know arose at that time and how we use it has evolved you know at first it was just predicting the seasons predicting the weather for farmers and things like that and then we started getting more into Understanding ourselves, and that I would say, twentieth-century astrology was psychological, and now we're moving more into a deeper spiritual understanding of ourselves and the world using astrology. So it definitely encompasses everything, like basic personality, our true purpose, you know, our spiritual purpose, our psychology, how we relate to career, how we relate to love. You know, it's like there's so many details that can be revealed through our birth charts
0: it's definitely a a practical way maybe it's that virgo right like grounding it in real life and making it something that we can use for every day what brought you specifically into astrology did you know when you were that you were born with this or it, did something click
1: yeah i mean i started studying it pretty early on i'm almost 40 now i started when i was 18 and you know, I've always felt like an alien. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I didn't really belong there and I didn't understand people at all. And I was just working at a job and somebody brought an astrology book to the job and I started looking up my planets and reading about them. And I was just amazed by how accurate it was and specifically how it described. It's something like, oh, you're you're shy upon first impression, but then when you start peeling back the way you are, you know, sexually or something like that, it's like you're more expressive. And it was like very detailed, like these different aspects or facets of myself that were contradictory were specifically described. And I was like, whoa, this is like a golden key to understanding human complexity. This is why people can show up one way when you're in an intimate relationship with them in another way when they're at work, you know, it's like you can date somebody who's like a saint in their everyday life. And then when they're at home with you, they turn into a monster and it's like, Oh, so these are the different layers and you actually can show up differently in these different ways or the way you relate to the taxi driver and the cashier is much different than you relate to your mother or a loved one or your everyday friends. Even, you know, those are all different facets of yourself. And so I started studying it way back then. And then after I got into astrology, I I delved deep into Buddhism, moved to a, a kind of quasi monastic retreat center, and started immersing myself in Vajrayana Buddhism. And that sort of spiritual framework definitely informs the way that I read charts. And you can be actually of any belief system and be an astrologer. There are Christian astrologers, Buddhist astrologers, you know, atheist astrologers, you bring whatever your framework is philosophically or spiritually to your interpretations. Um, so it is non-dogmatic, which a lot of people don't understand.
0: I love that. And well, first of all, everyone, if you, you can find Juliana on ethereal culture on Instagram, right? That, that yeah. is where you, you post. And during these uncertain times, It's been very helpful and comforting. In fact, I think that's where I found you was on Instagram was that your forecast and explaining, it's almost like, you know, I'm going through all these fields where, you know, we're locked in and like, it's terrifying and all this. And you, of course, through the power of astrology are are nailing what's going on. You know, it's what the, the planets are, where they're at. Which brings me to what exactly is going on this year? <laughs> like, what, is, yeah. what has happened? And when is it going to end, Juliana?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I wouldn't wait for it to end. Otherwise, you'll just feel crazy and frustrated. But, you know, it was interesting because before 2020, I actually was traveling around the world teaching about the paradigm shift of 2020. And people would always say to me, how can so much change in a year? Because I would say, well, civilization and society as we know it is going to completely change in 2020. And people say, how in the world could everything change in a year? And I would say, I don't know. <laughs> you know, but We'll find out. But if we are to believe in astrology and the planets, then 2020 is going to be this incredibly disruptive year and we're actually ending many eras in, in humanity and beginning new ones. We're ending the Christian age, which has been lasting for over 2,000 years. It's the Piscean age. Pisces is represented or symbolized by the fish, so is Christianity. It's been this era of waiting for the Savior. Now we're going into the Aquarian age, which is the age of direct connection to the divine individual liberation and egalitarianism. We're also ending 6,500 years of patriarchy the Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter have not conjoined in Capricorn the way they did this year for like thousands of years. And 6,500 years ago when they conjoined the north nodes of those planets, which points the way forward in Capricorn as well. And that is patriarchy. Capricorn rules the father. This year with this very rare Conjoining of Saturn Pluto and Jupiter and Capricorn the north nodes are in cancer which is matriarchy so we're actually moving into a matriarchal age as well but of course <laughs> in order to birth a new age we have to destroy the old and there's this massive karmic reckoning and implosion that's happening and that was predicted to happen this year and it has to do with of course capitalism and by- like the way we've treated the environment the way we've treated and oppressed peoples and groups it's all coming to a head right now and we are definitely in a battle you know it's not like it's just going to switch over oh now that's gone you know it's like there's a and sort of fiery battle <laughs> that's going down right now and even in in buddhist cultures there was this prediction of this era a prophecy you know that we would have to step into spiritual warriorship that there would be this great war
0: put on our walking shoes, right? Because this is going to be some time. It's not like this is going to be fixed by the end of the year, right? No.
1: (laughs) But, (laughs) But I mean, I think 2026 will be a powerful year of sort of rising from the ashes, which isn't that far away. I think we are going to be in some form of battle, you know, until then. And The death and rebirth of the United States is happening starting 2022 and all the way to 2025. There's this process of Pluto return for the U.S., which, you know, Pluto hasn't returned to the place it was since the inception of the United States. So the moment we signed the Declaration of Independence was the last time Pluto was in the place that it's about to return to. Pluto is an incredibly slow-moving planet. It moves in 248-year cycles. And what we see when we chart the histories of empires, basically, empires typically end at the Pluto return. that's what happened in England when people left to colonize the US and there was the revolutionary war and that was the beginning of the american empire quote unquote and that seems to be ready to either completely end or rebirth itself and pluto is destruction death and rebirth so i do think that our country is going to drastically change between now and 2026 and then in 2026 we're going to see a pluto trine with uranus and Pluto will then be an Aquarius and Uranus rules Aquarius. Pluto, of course, is death and rebirth. Uranus is revolution and technology and innovation and reinvention and shock, you know, and, and it's instant liberation. So things move really quickly when Uranus is involved. So that trine, it's a harmonious angle. It's a 120 degree angle between the planets. That's meant to be this moment of like, okay, maybe utopia is possible. You know, maybe we can, like, get off of fossil fuels and clean up the environment and, you know, live together in peace where individuals are empowered.
0: And when Um, is that?
1: That's 2026.
0: 2026. So in my work, and you're familiar with my work, the thing that I've come to find is that, and what I hope is that people will understand that it's in our hands. I think so many want hero, hero, someone who's going to show up and just whoever that is that you vote for is going to show up and fix everything. But in reality, all of this is in our hands. And I think we're being asked to stand up for that and that we all have to take part. Do you think that'll happen?
1: (laughs) It has to. You know, did you watch the Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix yet? No. Oh, you have to. But they talk about this, In the framework of social media and how the AI of social media and Google and the Internet basically has created incredible divisiveness because it was designed to make us click it was designed to keep us sucked in and addicted and the things that were the most clickable were the most shocking were the most outrageous the most extreme and so we went down these rabbit holes and became extremists, you know, in various directions. And, and what they were saying is that in order for civilization to survive and to not go into just pure civil war and killing each other, it's up to each of us individually to sort of put the stops on our brainwashing, to put the, the limits on our use of social media and going down these internet rabbit holes. And that aligns perfectly with the shift from the Piscean to the Aquarian age. This is no longer the era of waiting for a savior. In fact, the leaders are not really helping right now. You know, they're not showing up. They're not stepping up. They're not promoting peace at this moment. They're really working for the capitalistic benefit of a few. And so it is up to us. And there was even a a headline yesterday that said something like, eventually with the climate change, we're not going to be supported by insurers anymore. It's going to be too expensive, right? right? It's, It's up to each of us to really fend for ourselves. And that kind of is the era we're moving into is like, but taking our survival in our own hands, taking our divinity in our own hands, no longer relying, for example, on steep patriarchal hierarchy to connect us to God, to connect us to the divine, but understanding that things like plant medicine or meditation or stilling our minds or connecting to nature or sexuality, like these things connect us to divinity. And we don't need a daddy you know, of the Pope. We don't need guru we don't need a god in the sky with a beard a male god in the sky with a beard to like save us you know there's this quality of, of needing to save ourselves
0: yeah I, but there's also i would add so what's interesting and what i find myself doing juliana is forgetting that there's so much going on in the united states but is this also happening in europe in asia and and how it's different because you just you do you get in this tunnel vision And I think in, you know, as you mentioned, like a a daddy or, you know, the patriarchy, like someone to, an authority figure to save us. But there's also some, I feel like uh, laziness, like there's so much focus on the, the me instead of the we here. You know, it's like, where's that change come from? But are we also seeing this in other countries? Yeah,
1: for sure. It's happening in other countries, for sure. This sort of fascist threat is happening in other countries. And this divisiveness is happening in other countries. And there are Trump supporters all over the world, which is crazy. And there are people over the world who thinks he's out of his gourd, you know. And so that divisiveness that's been rocking, the U.S. is rocking other countries as well. But free will comes into play. So if you look at a place like New Zealand where there is a female leader and they are prioritizing the environment or, you know, Germany where Angela Merkel's in charge and they're prioritizing getting the artists money because they understand that the artists are what saved Berlin after the fall of the Berlin Wall and there are, are i've heard of in germany and in england and different places like groups of people sitting in meditation in front of the governmental buildings there is like this combination of it's like a split between i want to be in a cult run by daddy that makes no sense that's not founded in reality or i want to awaken completely and take my awakening and my life and my community's well-being in my own hands you know there's revolution there's There are BLM protests all over the world. You know, there are people standing up for Black rights, for standing against, like, the ill effects of colonialism all over the world. So this is worldwide. And, of course, like, it's really intense in the U.S. right now, so it's hard to kind of raise our gazes because it just feels so dire with all the fires and with the elections on the horizon and with so many people at war with each other. But yeah, yeah. It, it does seem to be a worldwide theme.
0: Yeah. So what do you think? I know I know a lot of listeners are going to, you know, again, everyone wants to know, what's the, the rest of this year look like? We have a big election coming up. What does astrology, and I'll remind everyone listening that so astrology isn't prediction. Astrology, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's, you know, it's how the planets are aligned and how we choose to use that to our benefit.
1: That- yeah. they re- It tells us the potentials, the energetic potentials, and then the free will always, always comes into play. And so, you know what, a great, and that Social Dilemma movie, they showed this quote by Bucky Fuller, who I, I'm obsessed with. I have been since I was a kid.
0: Oh, he's great. And,
1: yeah. And it, it sort of sums up this sort of idea of potentials and where we could go with this, you know, on one end or the other. But he, the quote goes, whether it is to be utopia or oblivion will be a touch and go relay race right up to the final moment. Wow. (laughs) That's true. It's like Pluto can either be rebirth or destruction. Right. And so Uranus is like civilization and humanity. So we're either going to birth utopia or we're going to destroy civilization. Wow. Not to laugh, but like it's pretty extreme, but yeah, it's, It is predictive in a sense, but of course, like these energies can go in multiple directions. So for example, with the election, I mean, it seems like no matter what, because we have Mercury retrograde right up to the day of the election. We have Mars retrograde until the week after the election. Mars is violence when it stations in Aries, which it rules, we're going to see an eruption of violence no matter what. Okay, so that's probably going to happen with mercury retrograde up until the day of the election, there is going to be chaos and confusion. There's going to be wires crossed. There are going to be complications around mail-in ballots. There's going to be people trying to cross wires, trying to influence and affect the outcome. And I think it's very possible that, for example, Trump will be announced president on election day because they are counting the in-person votes, but then the mail-in ballots will be counted subsequently. And it could be that Biden actually ends up being president. You know, something like that could happen where there is this, a false result, you know, and then confusion around the results. And then something clarifies after the elections when Mercury has stationed direct. And then Mercury is going to be in retrograde on our election, right? It's stations direct on election day. So there's going to be and this the is a very, this is an insane Mercury retrograde. It's in Scorpio, which is shadow, secret, oh. hidden things. Uranus is opposite Mercury, which is shock and chaos and surprises. So it's going to be not simple.
0: All right. So you're hearing this, everyone, you're prepared. I mean, get your, I don't know, whatever you're going to need to like, you know, I'm thinking maybe I need to be like in one of those like isolation tanks for like it's you know sad. three days. I-,
1: <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be wild. And then also with Mercury opposite Uranus in the couple of weeks up until the elections, we're gonna have shocking news and information coming out like right before the elections. Like, we're gonna see like verbal hand grenades thrown that just like shock everybody. And I think, you know, movies are going to come out, books, information, gossip, like all of it is going to be really shocking. And then Uranus is opposite the sun on election day, which hasn't happened since FDR's second term where he introduced the new deal. So that gives me hope. So there are a few things that give me hope. And even though there's hope, it doesn't mean things won't be bad, <laughs> you know? but it's like the long-term arc is hopeful. Okay. But a couple of things giving me hope is this Uranus opposite the sun, which could mean a change of power, but also it could mean we're moving into progress and the Green New Deal. Uranus is in Taurus, Taurus is the environment, you know, Uranus is revolutions, this revolution in the environment, this progress around environmentalism could be a theme in this term of presidency. And Biden, it's like way more likely that Biden will lead that. And also there's a likely change in power so that is a little bit hopeful and then Saturn and Jupiter will conjoin at 0 degrees aquarius the zenith of the sign in december around the winter solstice and the winter solstice is this representation of going back into the light you know aquarius in its highest potential is egalitarianism and jupiter is hope you know, and Saturn is the long term future and it's also expansion. So it's this long term expansion with regards to progress and egalitarianism as we return to the light. So right. th- that's a very hopeful sign to me. But it's yeah. also possible Trump's elected and we just have to hit the streets and take the reins ourselves as the people and rise up in collective revolution, you right. know? So,
0: well, one of the things that you mentioned it's that choice of what Bucky Fuller said, right? The the utopia or the- Oblivion. (laughs) Oblivion, right? And I feel that, but like, you know, constant hits with it, right? And to stay in that hope, I think it's so important to go through it, to keep hope in mind and progress and focus on the solution and not the problem, right? To keep that energy just as like the, the collective energy, because I do believe in that. Yeah right where people are mentally and right now it just feels like you know is like you said this budding of heads i'm definitely going to watch the social dilemma yeah yeah it's
1: really fascinating because technology is going to have a big hand in this next era and age and i think getting our morality in check as we enter into this technological age it's really important
0: yeah what um, It would be great to have a new platform that we could go on that had like some morals to it. And that wasn't just selling advertising to anything that walked away, you know, just to get the money. I don't know why that hasn't been invented yet.
1: You know, what's interesting is like the people who are speaking in this documentary are the people that basically invented these platforms, you know, Google and Facebook and Instagram. And they're the ones speaking out against it, you know, and they're like, we didn't intend for it to go this way. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. But yeah, I think the hope thing is super important. And I always think like I grew up, being obsessed with Anne Frank, reading her diaries. I wrote all of my diary entries as a child to, to Anne Frank. I felt like I knew her. I felt like she was my best friend and I really resonated with her story. And she has this beautiful quote on hope that I always think of, you know, especially when I start to feel hopeless about what's happening in the in the world. And I think about the Holocaust and how freaking insane that was and how it must have felt like the end of humanity. Were people experiencing that, and yet we came out of it somehow. And we and Hitler died alone in a bunker by his own hand. So that is also hopeful right. that we were able to get over that incredible atrocity.
0: Right. But yeah, my, my friend just posted today, and her her grandparents both survi- are survivors of the Holocaust. And twenty five percent of youth don't believe it happened or that it it was exaggerated. That. I saw that. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's insane. I that is so disheartening and shocking. And I don't understand that cuz I know in my childhood growing up we learned so much about the Holocaust, you know, and I read so yeah. many books, you know, from children's perspectives, not just Anne Frank's diaries and we went into Holocaust museums and really like took it in fully. I I don't understand how that happened, but I think that's a testament to our problem with education, which is also, you know, that's also the result of Reaganomics and trickle down where we decided to defund Infrastructure, education, and healthcare, and give it to the big corporations. Yes. And it was like 1982, and that was the last Saturn Pluto conjunction. So that's actually meant to be coming to an end right now. This wow. is the first time Saturn and Pluto have conjoined since then. So I think, yeah, we've got to fix the education problem for sure. Yes. That's a big deal. And I think with the North Node and Gemini for the next year or so, or a little over a year, I mean, the education, disinformation, social media, news like all these things are what we're meant to be purifying right now. Great. And the South Node and SAG, our cult thinking, our, you know, buying into faulty belief systems, you know,
0: that's also meant to be purifying. Wonderful. Julianne, I want to ask you. How can people find out, what should they look at if someone, well, first they should come to you and have their chart read, but how can someone, should they be looking at their sun sign? Do you look at your moon? Do you look at your north node? Yeah, I
1: mean, look at it all. (laughs) I think for me, I always say the basic components of personality are the sun, the moon, and the rising. The sun sign is our basic ego identity, our basic personality, how we relate to our friends in our everyday life. Our rising or our ascendant, which is the position where the sun rose, the moment of our first breath, that easternmost horizon, that indicates our outermost layer, how we relate to the cashier, the taxi driver, how we enter a room, the first impression that we make, how we spark our initial conversation with somebody. And then the moon is, is in a way who we really are. It's who we are at home by ourselves, who we are in our intimate relationships with the people that we live with, with their families. You know, So understanding those three layers of self are sort of key to understanding who we are. And then the north node is also incredibly important. The, the lunar nodes are basically the places where the apparent path of the sun from the perspective of Earth, which is called the ecliptic, you know, meets with the lunar path on either side of Earth. And when we have a new moon or a full moon, at one of those points we have an eclipse. And the North Node represents our true life path and our highest potential as a soul in this lifetime. And when we orient to that North Node energy, just look at the sign, look at the house, then we feel like we're fulfilling our purpose. And so for me, you could do a whole hour reading just on the North Node. And the South Node represents our past life karma where we've overdeveloped, you know, what habitual patterns we're carrying with us in this lifetime. And so those are really revealing as well. So yeah, if you just learn the nodes and sun, moon, rising, you can be an astrologer.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating. Um, That's fascinating. So we're at the point in the conversation, I always ask people, what drives them to be the change? and i think you and your your work in astrology listen you could just you know put up a sign astrologer and for hire or whatever but that's not what you do your posts are are out there you're helping this world heal via your work and and i know it's a lot for you to hold as well so what keeps you going like what keeps you going to be the change juliana oh wow
1: <laughs> well so <laughs> a couple of things First of all, my Buddhist background, my Buddhist path, you know, I was really trained for over a decade in these deeply immersive Buddhist practices. And I took vows, the bodhisattva vow, for example, to be a benefit to all beings, to dedicate my life and my body to being a benefit to all beings. And the framework that I sort of, that seeped into me and just became part of my DNA is How do we create enlightened society, right? So spiritual path is like trying to relate to experience and our sense pleasures without story, to be fully present, to be without unnecessary suffering, to not go into sort of tension, patterns of tension in our body as we relate to our emotions and to the world and to phenomena. And the natural outcome of that is I want to be a benefit to others. And so then how do we help others to do the same? And then the natural outcome of that is how do we create enlightened society, you know, so that we all have the ability to sort of awaken within society and the first step is making sure our basic needs are met, all of us. So that's one part. And the other part is, you know, I think Joseph Campbell has a lot to do with it. He was a big influence on me. I went to Sarah Lawrence where he taught. I unfortunately he died before I got there, but it was he was a big sort of mythological legend there and I watched a lot of his videos and read his books and took classes on him and this idea that myth is fundamental to being human and that if we don't have myth we don't have an arc of meaning to frame this seemingly random series of events you know and astrology is myth astrology is an art of storytelling where we're weaving together myth and archetype to tell the story, for example, of who we are or to tell the story of what's happening in the world. And astrology has captured the hearts and the imaginations of the younger generations in a way that religion really hasn't. The younger people don't want dogma, they don't want patriarchy. And so there's this beautiful opportunity in working with astrology to reframe our collective. Stories reframe our collective myth and to give us an arc of meaning in this era when so many of our ideologies and our religions are crumbling and falling apart. And so, I think of everything I do as being a kind of costume for like universal wisdom or a costume for some form of liberation. And I just think astrology is, is like one of the most beautiful. Forms of like myth and unification and storytelling because it's non-dogmatic, because it's universal, because it's ancient and relevant at the same time. I don't
0: know. Very beautifully put, Juliana. I, yeah. I think that you are definitely made for these times. You are here for a reason. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's- that was so eloquent. Beautiful. Can you tell people where we can find you and how they can would like to get have their chart read or follow you and and where we can get your book which is incredible oh. the stars within you a modern guide to astrology which i i have in my hands right now and i just love it there's so much to dive in there where can we get all this okay
1: yeah just the stars within you is sold in so many places from i mean i don't support amazon but it's there <laughs> yeah. but it's you know most major bookstores and small bookstores as well and it's also been translated into different languages. I think Portuguese and Spanish. Wonderful. And Nor- or Finnish
0: and Dutch. I think, is it on Book Depository? Do you know Book Depository? I don't know
1: it, but I'm sure it is. Yeah, ever- I think it that's... It seems to be everywhere, yeah. Okay.
0: Library. Yeah,
1: the library. You have a library
0: right? Yep. Yep.
1: Definitely. And then... My website is etherealculture.com and my Instagram is also etherealculture. And I have a Patreon page where I do video podcasts and classes every month. And that's patreon.com forward slash astrologer. I write on my website and on Instagram, I write about the astrology of the month ahead every, at the first of the month. I publish that and I write about the new moon and the full moon every month. So, yeah, those are the ways to connect with me. I hope you do. And if you want a reading, just go to my website and there are links to get you there.
0: What's the website again?
1: etherealculture.com, E-T-H-E-R-E-A-L,
0: culture.com. And did you find the Anne Frank quote? Can we end yes, with that on hope? Yes. Let's, let's end with it. that.
1: Okay, let's do. Okay, it goes, I see the world being slowly transformed into a wilderness. I hear the approaching thunder that one day will destroy us too. I feel the suffering of millions. And yet, when I look up at the sky, I somehow feel that everything will change for the better, that this cruelty too shall end, that peace and tranquility will return once more. In the meantime, I must hold on to my ideals. Oh,
0: powerful. Totally I'm gonna to cry. <laughs> yeah, me too.
1: I wanna to put so, that on my wall.
0: <laughs> yes. Let's read it every oh, day. Yes. Yeah, let's do that. And so it shall be. And so it shall be. Uh-huh. Thank you, Juliana. Thank you for joining you us today. So Thank you for Thank being you the for change. You do. It Thank was you. great to have you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at BeTheChange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to Be The Change, go to our website at www.BeTheChange.nyc. That's BeTheChange.nyc. Thank you and be well.